0: The story of Phyllis and Demothuan is one of love, betrayal, and disaster. And it involves a young woman, Phyllis, who is a uh, princess. She's the daughter of the king uh, of Thrace. And uh, Demothuan is the son of Theseus. And he shows up with a few ships, and um, they get engaged, and they actually sleep together. But uh, he decides to go back to Athens. and Promises to come back, but when he doesn't, um, disaster ensues. And it's told slightly differently. What uh, the, 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 the end of the story is different in the two preserved versions that we have. Um, the earlier one is from Apollodorus. This is the the mythographer uh, Apollodorus who is um, writing in Greek and um, of uncertain date, maybe like 200 AD. It's not really clear, but he tends to preserve sort of older Greek stories that he garnered from various obscure sources. So uh, here's the story as, as uh, Apollodorus tells it. Demophoon coming um, to, uh, Demophoon, uh, Demophoon arrived amongst the Bysaltai in Thrace, these people in the sort of Northern Aegean, with a few ships. And there he fell in love uh, sorry, there. Phyllis fell in love with him, the daughter of the king, and soon slept with him. This is the indication they definitely had sex. Slept with him, um, with the dowry of the kingdom. Uh, but so, so what it says is, soon Eunazetai to petros. She was literally put into bed with him by her father. <laughs> so the idea is the father's not. As often happens, the father is, you know, dead set against this incoming foreigner. But in this case, the father's like, oh, yeah, great. You know, once they create an alliance, I guess, with the Athenians. All right. Uh, so he now, he, this is Demophon, wishing to go back to his fatherland, um, having been begged a lot. So in other words by Phyllis, Phyllis is like, please don't go, please don't go. Almost on his trip saying, having uh, vowed or having sworn to come back, he went away. And Phyllis, uh, the uh, uh, Phyllis, sort of sent him on his way. Phyllis sent him on his way at a place uh, known as the Nine Roads, near a place called the Nine Roads, and gave him a box, a kiste, uh, telling him that inside it was a the sacred emblem or the holy thing of Mother Rhea, Hierontes Metros Rea. So this is this. Mother Rhea is an East, a very important eastern um, cult from the from Asia Minor, uh, and I don't know why it's showing up in Thrace, but there you go. Uh, and she told him don't not to open the box, <laughs> don't open the box until he gives up hope of coming back to her of the road of the road back. It's oh, kind of a strange request. Just don't open the box. Uh, all right. Sequel. Dimavuán uh, went to Cyprus. Why unexplained? And there he dwelled; he sort of set up shop. Katoike. Uh, and as time, as the appointed time went by, Phyllis, uh, cursing him, um, hung herself. Hiaten anarei, or killed herself. anarei. Uh, right. So Dimafuan opened the box and was struck with fear he got up onto horseback and driving in an unorganized fashion, like driving sort of without paying attention, a uh he died for when his horse tripped, he fell down uh, upon his sword. And the f- f- denouement is that the people with him, Hoi de Sunotoi, uh, dwelled in Cyprus. All right, so a lot of elements in that story. Uh, there's the sacred thing, there's the, you could see it as a kind of a colonization story, the origin of some Athenian colony on Cyprus, uh, seems to have, lie behind this in some way. Um, and uh, what else? Well, of course, there's the the unhappy story of the love of um, uh, Phyllis, which falls into a pattern, you know, for like, think of like Medea and, um, or. I guess other princesses who fall in love with traveling greek heroes and it never seems to end very well the unusual feature I guess is that here the father is is sort of on board with this um, there is a different so as is as typical with the kind of the Greek stories like this they're going to emphasize the the colonization and the places not the mention of this the nine roads it seems to be connected with this place and um, you know, up in the northern Aegean, called the Nine Roads, but um, which is where she killed herself. Uh, and so, the, the Greek source material will often emphasize these things, like places and historical events that have ramifications in the present day uh, through a colony or some place that people know about. All right, so the. Latin version we have is actually from Hyginus, another mythographer, late mythographer, and it has a more kind of romantic tinge to it. Um, and it goes as follows. Uh, Demophilon, the son of Theseus, uh, is said to have gotten hospitality, to have arrived uh, as a guest in Thrace and met Phyllis, and to ha- um, have been beloved by him, <laughs> put it in a very passive way, Amatus ab Ea, right? You know, one one way street here maybe. Uh, when he dis- wanted to go back home to his fatherland, he gave her his promise that he would return to her. when, mid- when the appointed day uh, arrived and he had not come, she is said that day to have gone to the shore nine times, uh, noios, noios ad litus cucurisse, the shore which, is called in greek uh the nine roads uh, after this so the, here the etymology the, uh, sort of the etiology is she went to the shore nine times i don't know why maybe she went back for a drink or something and then she came down to the shore nine times that's what they call this place the nine roads it's kind of crazy all right phyllis however uh died she literally she breathed out her breath the uh, spirit for love of Demophilon, ob desiderium uh, When her parents built a tomb for her, trees were born there, which uh, at a certain time mourn the death of Phyllis, in which the leaves of this tree are rescundit defluent, they grow dry and fall off. Uh, and the, the, sorry, the, the leaves are called in Greek fula, from her name. So I guess the, he's saying that the Greek name for the word leaf fula comes from Phyllis's name. I don't. know, It's strange. Uh, but that's the end. Okay, that's the end of the hygienist version. Servius has an extra note. This is Servius, the late antique commentator on Virgil, and he writes a note on one of the Eclogues that says that she ended her life by hanging herself, which is not specified in the Greek, I misspoke there. Uh, but here, Servius says this, and she was changed, according to Servius, in Arborum Suenominus in a, into a tree of her own name. So like a standard metamorphosis you get at the end of these um, stories, uh, type of story, from, from, from very familiar from Ovid's other works. It est amygdalum foliis that is a, an almond tree without n- leaves the Fula. Uh, okay, later, Demawan returned. Okay, so this re- this is the romantic part. Later, Demawan returned and realizing what had happened, he embraced the trunk, which um, as if it perceived the arrival of the bridegroom, lost its leaves. So that's like the pathetic fallacy, you know. Or it reminds you of like Daphne and um and Apollo. She sort of retains some consciousness as a uh, as a shrub. Alright, uh Unde Etiam, continuing now with with the account of Servius, Unde Etiam Phyllisund dicta a from which phylla are call are were named from Phyllis, um which were previously called petala. So this repeats this idea of like the name for the Greek name for leaf is is uh, named after her. All right, so a couple different versions. I guess that's pretty typical of um, a kind of Greek versus Roman accounts where they tend to sort of strip. Nothing about Crete, for example, you can see in the uh, Hyginus version, um, whereas the, the Greek version emphasized that. And there's nothing about Mother Rhea either. Um, so that too, I guess, is something that was the Greek sources must have uh, focused on. Uh, there is a... Fragment of a work by Climacus that gives us enough to know that he told the story, and um, it's treated by Latin poets as one of those like, "oh gosh, you know, don't tell that story again." You know, it seems very cliche, uh, of course. But to us, this is a very unusual one. All right, so the uh, so Ovid picks this one up. Um, it's it's one of the type of stories. The place to go for a lot of these kinds of stories actually is uh, the Erotica Pathemata of Parthenius of Nicaea. This is an amazing. Short mythographic work uh, produced in the 40s and thir- or 30s BC and dedicated to Cornelius Gallus and I recommend that you can you can find it. Uh, it's kind of hard to find online, but if you if you snoop around, you can find. I think it's on Perseus actually, and there's a lobe, um, but it has a series of 36 of these, you know, sort of boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy and girl burn on pyre, a very. Disastrous, sometimes very bizarre, uh, uh, short erotic narratives. Oftentimes, and I would say consistently, the gods are not involved. And um, the the uh, one of the sort of hallmarks of this kind of erotic mythology, this sort of semi-historical erotic mythology, is that there's no um, uh, there's always sort of these heroines who are get involved in. Um, are forbidden or somehow problematic love affairs and there's always a death it could be her death or his death or something but there's always a family uh, sort of tragedy and uh, one of the hallmarks is that it's not really the gods don't get involved unlike say Ovid's Metamorphoses where the gods are swooping in and transforming somebody these tend to happen almost like novelettes um, without divine intervention anyway so in that context this story so I guess the key um, you know things about it is, or is that the, the the approval of the father is somewhat unusual um and the other thing you sort of immediately comes to mind is that you know Theseus is in the background and a lot of these older a lot of these sort of more obscure stories are sort of doublets of more famous ones so obviously Theseus and Ariadne um are the the sort of parent generation of this thing and he's uh, uh, just another theseus even worse you know he just has no concern uh, for this girl who adores him and just leaves her to perish all right uh, so let's now turn to Ovid's version after that rather extended mythographic introduction which I indulge in just because it's a not a very well-known story Okay, well, Ovid doesn't really tell the whole story, but um, as usual, focuses on uh, the heroine's state of mind at a particular moment. In this case, uh, it's Phyllis' state of mind as she realizes that he's probably not coming back. Theoretically, she's writing to ask him to come back, uh, but as the commentator Knox points out, the practical purpose of the letter is pretty quickly forgotten. Uh, Ovid's Phyllis makes, this is quoting Knox now, Ovid's Phyllis makes little attempt to persuade Demophilon, and a happy outcome of the affair is precluded by her determination to commit suicide. Phyllis's epistle is an exploration of the process of despair that led to that act. I don't think that's that's exactly right. It's uh, looming in the future. We, do, we know that this is where she's headed, and we sort of watch her break down. Well, uh, so what I'll do is read a Read this—the uh, first 45 lines in two chunks. I'll start with lines 1 to 22. Abend begins in a really elegant way with a line that includes the names of both the two main characters and the location, uh, mentioning Rhodopeia. That's a reference to a mountain in Thrace. In um, and the very first word of the line, hospita, gets at the central situation. She was his host, and Demophon was a guest who betrayed his hosts. Uh, the other words in the first line are tua te, and um, that's a great example of how Latin poets love to juxtapose pronouns uh, in a way that um, emphasizes relationships between people. I've always enjoyed, I always look for that, and it's a sign of uh, high emotion, usually. So the first line is hospita demo for on tua te rotopeia um, your Your host, Phyllis, writes to you... Um, a Demophon, and she describes herself as Rhodopean, that is from Thrace. All right, the second line fixes our uh, moment in the myth. He's been away too long, and she says, uh, "Ultra promissum tempus abesse queror," I'm complaining that you have been gone for too long. Uh, and the last word, "queror," expresses the central rhetorical situation here. Uh, this is a complaint. All right, so uh, the the opening section describes Phyllis' thinking when he was late, but she was still trying to make excuses. So she's sort of thinking back about how she was, her previous thinking uh, up until this moment, uh, where she was saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe he just Theseus delayed him or um, you know, something, he, he had bad weather or something. And she's imagining all these reasonable excuses why he would not be back. And then in the next section, she'll sort of acknowledge that he's not coming back. All right, so what I'll do is give you a quick, uh, fairly literal translation and then read the Latin for you. She says, uh, I already did the first couplet. Second couplet, uh, she says, um, When the uh, horn of the moon had come together once in a full orb, um, you had promised to um, bring your anchors back to our shores, right? Your your anchors had been promised to be back to our shores. So you were supposed to be away a month. And then she says, Lunar. Quat, Luna quater latuit, the moon has hidden f- hidden itself four times, toto quater ordu requrewit, and uh, four times it has regrown to its full circle. Neque hit octaias sithonis undorates nor uh, is a sithonian wave carrying octaian boats. And there's another juxtaposition there, Octaias sithonis, Athenian, Thracian, and he, she, Ahmed, uh, very eloquently puts those two things together. Uh, okay, then he go, she goes on to say, "Tempora si if you count up the times, benicui numeramus amantes, which we lovers count very well, um, your uh, our complaint has not come before its proper day, non venit ante suam nostra querela diem. Uh, Space quoque lentifuit." Here she returns to her previous thinking. My hope. Also, was slow. Tarde quae credita laidunt credimus. Beautiful sententia. Uh, we we believe slowly things which harm us when they have been believed. I love that. Tarde quae credita laidunt credimus. Uh, and she says, uh, In vita nuncest amante nocens, and now you are in the wrong, nocens est, against the will of your lover, in vita amante. Often I Lied to myself, fui Mendox, mihi pro te, on your behalf. I was lying to myself on your behalf. Often I thought that the stormy south, south wind brought back white sails. thesia de I cursed Theseus, qui te dimitra because he was unwilling, or on the ground that he was, I thought, unwilling to let you go. Nectinuit cursus, on illituos. And then she sort of shifts at this point and says, well, perhaps he did not restrain your trip perhaps said that wasn't it and she starts re- imagining even you know more dire things inter timui ne occasionally i became afraid that while you were heading to the shallows of the river hebris that's in Thrace uh, your shipwrecked vessel was submerged under the white wave kana and then she um, imagines praying, Saipedeo suplex, often I, um, as a suppliant to, suppliant to the god so that you might be well, wicked one, she addresses him, skillerate, uh, I venerated the gods with prayer and in um, incense burning sacrifices. So There's a very nice word here, "Turicremis," incense burning, uh, referred to sacris. Uh, Religious rituals. Often, seeing that the winds were favorable in the sky and the sea, I said to myself, if he is safe, he's coming. Finally, uh, trusting love imagined or invented whatever obstructs people who are in a hurry, and I was clever at thinking of reasons. Ingeniosa fui ad causas ingeniosa fui. I was clever at thinking up excuses. All right, so here's the Latin for that. Hospita, demofoon on, tua te rodopeia fillis, ultra promissum tempus abese queror, cornua cum lunae pleno semel orbequi sent, nostris ancora pacta tu est luna quater latuit, toto quater orbe recreuit, nec vehit actiās si thonis unda rates. Tempora si numeres, bene quae numeramus amantes, non venit ante suam nostra querela diem. Spes quoque lenta fuit. tarde quae credita laidunt, credimus, in vita nunc est amante nocens, saipe fui mendax pro te mihi, saipe putawi alba pro celosos vuela notos. Te seade vōvi, quia te dimitre nolat Nec tenuit cursus forsitan ille tuos. interdum timuī, ne Dum vada tendis ad Hebri, mersa foret cana, naufraga pupis aqua. Saepe deos supplex ut te scelerate valeres, cum prace cremis sum venerata sacris. Saepe, vitens ventos caeloque pelagoque faventes, ipsa mihi dixi, si valet ille, venit. Fidus amor quid quid properantibus obstat fixit et ad causas ingeniosa fui. Okay, uh, the next section I'm going to read lines 23 through 48, um, and here she, Phyllis, does acknowledge to herself that. Uh, Demophilon is not coming back and Ovid focuses on a key element of the myth and that is that Demophilon swore a solemn oath to come back. He didn't just, you know, <laughs> he wasn't taking it casually. This makes his moral culpability completely clear. It's not like Dido and Aeneas where they just have a misunderstanding, a different concept of the relationship. Uh, this is more like Jason, Medea, in Corinth where he just flat-out disregards his sworn oath and she has a lot of strong ground to stand on here. Uh, interestingly, to me anyway, uh, as in the other mythographers' versions that I r- r- read for you in the beginning, it's pretty clear that they had sex before being married, but nobody seems to make a big deal of that. Uh, I think it's because their father is consenting. They were engaged and that's that's enough. She refers to her own love um, as a crimen and a skellus in a kind of very vague way in this passage, but imagine that some people would accuse her of misconduct. It's not really that clear, but immediately she rejects that and just, she asserts and Ovid seems to agree that she's completely blameless in her conduct here. All right, so here's the um, translation of this passage. She says, um, but you are away being slow, lentus. This is a repeated word from the previous section. You are sluggish and absent, <laughs> lentus abes, uh, nor do your sworn-by divinities call you back, like lead you back, urrata numina, the, the divine powers that you swore by are not bringing you back, and there's the fact that you swore is not bringing you back, um, nor are you returning moved by our love, nostra amore, There's consideration for her feelings. Uh, Demothuan, yeah, there's, there's an untranslatable pun here, wentis et werba et de didisti, this is line 25, you have, literally, you have given your words and your sails to the winds. So that is, you have spoken falsely, your, your words have simply gone to the winds and you've also set sail, there's huela didisti, which is Latin idiom for setting sail. Uh, and then she continues the, the follow up of the couplet I complain that your sales lack a returning and that your words lack faith. So, well, ready reditu, carrere fide. And that's a nice, I guess, an example of zugma using the word to give didisti uh, a, a double meaning. All right, so then now she turns and accuses him directly. Dic mihi, quid feci. Tell me, what did I do? Nisi non sapienterami, besides loving unwisely. And this is her self defense. Criminite <inaudible> potui I, She says, literally, I was able to have earned your gratitude by my crimen, by my misdeed or crime or accusation. Uh, okay, so, yeah, how do you translate that? Um, you know, By my very fault, I might well have won you for my own. That is, the fault of loving him might have been expected to win his loyalty. And she's like, what the heck? Uh, all right, unum in me, I like this line, unum in me, skelosus, there's only one Skellus in me, only one crime in me, the fact that I took you in, skelorate. Wicked man. So there's a wordplay of Skellos and skelarate. My only Skellos is you, skelarate, taking you in. Said skelus hoc mediti pondus adinser but this Skellos quote unquote, has the weight of a, of a favor, of a service, and um, the, the sort of appearance of that, the, the look of a, of a favor. All right, so now she just starts laying into him about the oath. Where's your oath? Where is your right hand? entrusted to another right hand, the, the handshake, I guess, between him and her father. And where is that God who was so much on your false lips? Um, Quique erat in falso plurimus ore Deus. Uh, then she says, where now is Humanius, the marriage God, Hymen Humanius, promised for years together in Socios Anus? That's a lovely um, sort of view of Roman view of marriage, right? Where you're socii, your allies, hmm. and where so where's humanius, who was the only guarantor and pledge of marriage for me, right? His oath was all that she had to rely on. Now it comes a long passage where she talks about the oath itself, and the main verb is rasti you swore by, and you have to wait for it for a couple of lines. You swore by the sea, per mare. Uh, which is agitated completely by winds and waves, um, through which still you, ha- you swore and through which you were going to go and go and leave. <laughs> and you, so it's ironic, you swore by the very thing that it's uh, <laughs> going to allow you to leave me. Uh, terrible and you swore by your grandfather, this is a long hyperbaton here, perque tu'um da 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 awum referring to uh, Poseidon, you swore by, to me, by your grandfather, unless he too was uh, invented, um, he who soothes the agitated waves um, with the winds, or mulket, so like caresses them with the winds. You swore by Venus, per venerem, by her weapons, which were too effective to me. Nimium que mihi facientia tela. And you swore by both her sets of weapons, the bow, and also by her torches. And then it goes on. You known him. You swore by Juno, uh, who the dear one who presides over marital couches, and you swore by the Mystic rites of the torch bearing goddess. So that's in a pair, ferai mystica sacra dei. This is a reference to Demeter uh, who carried torches while looking for her daughter, uh, Persephone, in that very famous myth. The mystica sacra is probably a reference to the Eleusinian mysteries which were kept in. Strict strict uh, secrecy. Interesting. There's no reference here to Rhea, the mother of the gods, who features in the uh, Greek version of the story in Apollonius. Sorry, in Apollodorus. If you, if each of the gods by whom you swore and have been harmed now, if they each take their vengeance, vindicate right, in Poinas non satis unus eris. You, you, there won't be enough of you to pay the penalty. No, are not going to get their vengeance because there's not only one of you. Um, and then she says, ah, lakarras etiam pupis furiosire I mad woman, crazy woman, I even repaired your mangled ships so that the boat by which I was to be deserted might be it's, a, it's an irony in her mind. Remigium quidedi and I gave you tackle, remigium, like um, could be oars or other stuff for the ship, Quid, uh, quod me fugiturus haberes, which you might have um, in order to flee me, right? When you were fugiturus me, being about to flee me, Who, <sighs> alas, I am suffering wounds made by my own weapons. All right, that gets us up to line 48, and I'll read now the Latin. At tu lentus abes, Necte jurata reducunt numina, Nec nostro motus amore redis, De mofoon, ventis et verba, et vela dedisti. Vela queror reditu, verba carere fide. Dic mihi Quid feci nisi non sapienter amavi? Crimine te potui de meruisse meo. Unum in mei te scelerate recepi? Sed scelus hoc meriti pondus et instar habet. Iura fidescubi nunc, comisseque dexter a dextrae, qui queratin in falso plurimus ore Deus, promissus socios ubinunc cuminaius in annos qui mi coniugi sponsoret obsesserat per mare quod totum wentis agitatur et undis per quod nempe ieras per quod iturus eras perque tu mihi iurasti nisi fectus et illast. Concita qui ventis aecure mulcet aum, per venerem, nimiumque mihi facientia tela, altera tela arcus, altera tela faces. Iu nonemque torris quae alma maritis, et per tai differae, mystica sacra dei. Si de totlaisis sua numina quisque deorum vindicet, in poinas non satis unus eris. Ah, laceras etiam puppes furiosa refeki, ut qua de firma carina foret. Remigium dedi quod me fugiturus haberis, heu, patior telis vulnera facta meis. Great. Okay, so that's the first section, and um, we'll continue next time with the next section of, of the letter from Phyllis to DeMofuan. Hope you enjoyed that, and hope to see you next time. Bye-bye now.